Hello, everybody. This is Alex Barthet with the Lean Zone podcast. Today, we have Dina with the Missouri Group. How are you doing today, Dina? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. So today, we're going to talk about succession planning, how to plan for what is to come in our business. And as we get into it, or before we get into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your company does? Sure. I have been in the lumber and building materials industry for a little over 30 years, and I have had the honor of working in many facets of it. Um, started out at Georgia Pacific as a commodities trader for many years, um, Boise Cascade after that, and then went to the retail distribution side, spent about a decade of my career there. And then most recently, um, before joining Missouri Group, I worked in the M&A field in our industry, which um, everyone knows that pace of mergers and acquisitions is certainly accelerating. So that's where I really learned to sharpen my uh, my organizational development skills. And and what do you do at Missouri Group with respect to succession planning? So what what I do at Missouri Group is uh, the company is began as an executive recruiting. Uh, for the lumber and building materials space. And it has since built out a consulting division, which is, I'm the vice president of that dis, that dis division, excuse me. And what I do in terms of organizational development is work with companies all across the United States in various sectors of our industry, helping them to create an organizational structure that is going to support them as they move into uh, leadership with future generations, whether that is having their uh, organizational structure uh, completely reconfigured, whether they just need to make a tweak or two, whether they need to further develop the leadership that they have in place or bringing new leadership into the organization to ensure that they have sustainability. So you've identified three easy steps anyone can use to start their succession planning. Like and, and just so we can define succession planning for those that are listening, it's how to get from where we are today to effectively the next group of people that are going to continue the operation of the business, correct? That's correct. Yes. And so what we what we have when we take a look at our industry as a whole and it's and it's across all facets, it's not just it's not just one. It's not just contractors. It's not just lumber mills or distribution. Our biggest workforce cohort is the millennials. Boomers will be, by and large, out of the workforce within the next five to seven years. When we look out at the demographics that comprise our workforce in this country, we have many, many uh, boomers that are either in the process of retiring or going to retire. And now we have um, the older Gen Xers that are in that position. So we are, we are facing a little bit of a tsunami when it comes to having effective leadership in place for our companies to continue on profitably and efficiently. And I find that we have a lot of ownership in this industry. You know, a lot of us have family-owned businesses. And so we may not have or are looking that far ahead, or we know that we need to do that. But we haven't taken the steps necessary to put that infrastructure in place in order to guarantee that sustainability moving forward for us. So we have I cannot tell you the number of companies that I have worked with where we have someone who is in their 60s wanting to retire 
and they have, they've been so busy working in the company that they haven't worked on the company and they have no succession, no leadership, no manager, no one who can step up and take that position. So they find themselves in a very, yeah, they find they're, they're stuck, right? They're very stuck. Yeah. They're stuck. Yes. So what is, so what is the first of the three steps that you have for us, for anyone to, to identify, okay, I know this is a problem. So how do I start to fix it? So what, what I suggest and what I've done with some pretty great success over the years is we have to know what we have, first of all. So I'm sure that all of your listeners are familiar with a SWOT analysis, um, which is analysis of strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. We typically use that when we're looking at strategy, we're looking at market strategy, or we're looking at um, a marketing strategy for our businesses, for our products. Um, my suggestion would be that we use that for a workforce analysis. You start at the top and you look at every single segment within your business, and it doesn't matter how large or how small your company is. You start at the top and then you do an entire SWOT analysis and you you gauge and you rate You know what are your strengths as a leader? What are your weaknesses? What opportunities do you have? And then what are the threats? Most likely they're going to be competitive threats or a demographic shortage in the workplace for people that have the competencies to develop into leadership roles. And then you've also have on top of that, when you're looking at that, at that in its entirety, then also keep in mind when you're doing a SWOT analysis that developing a competent leader is not overnight. It's oftentimes going to be a years long process and many of us have not started. So just to be clear, so I want to take this SWOT analysis and instead of looking outward, I want to now turn it inward on my company. And I want to say, let me start from the top down doing an analysis of each of the people in my organization and how I think they can, um, handle the potential advancement in leadership and ownership roles in the business. That would be correct. Yes. So now are there some things that you see that, uh, that are characteristics of, of good leaders and those that aren't that folks can use as a gauge? Absolutely. There are a number of things and what's, what's interesting in our society and our culture today, leadership models are changing. So many of us were brought up with, and I also find that it's generational. Many of us were brought up with, hey, we're going to throw you in the deep end of the uh, of the pond and let's see if you can swim or not. When I came into the industry 30 years ago, that was, that was very much, I, I knew nothing about the industry. And so it was, you either sank or you, or you, you started swimming. Yeah, and that was, that's, that, that's how I ended that's up. That's how you did it. That's how you yeah, did well, it too. My father, right? So my father yeah. started the law firm and right. you know, he just threw me right in the deep end. Right. It's like, oh, you passed the bar. <laughs> Great. That's all you need. Start swimming, Alex. Mm-hmm. And so that, um, that's a problem because what, what we're finding now and uh, is generationally that when we work with millennials and then we work with the Gen Zers who are now just entering the workforce that expectation of leadership has changed differently. They expect you to invest in them to provide professional development and training. Um, Our industry is very good at developing managers, the more tactical 
aspects of our companies. What we are not good at in general is developing leaders. Leaders and managers are two very different things. So, you know, I would suggest to you that because of how we are changing as a culture in a society, that the old patriarchal type of leadership is not, is, it does not resonate with these younger generations. What they're looking for is someone to take more of a, a personal interest in them to help develop them, almost like a mentorship role. So, and, so you know, this is something really interesting. This is a conversation yeah. I've had with other people. Yes. So what it, in, in essence, what it says, what you're saying is instead of being frustrated, mm-hmm with the fact that the new folks are not like the old folks, that if I'm gonna make this work, I gotta change with the times and realize that whether it's the people in my organization or new people, just generationally, the people that I'm gonna be dealing with that are gonna be the next leaders have different expectations than what I had and what what existed before me. So don't get upset, just start dealing with it. Right. Um, we have to accept that this is this is a new reality for us. And so I myself have had to change my leadership style to a more, you know, when I when I started in the industry, I often like to say that I was, you know, I was the only female there, but I was raised by a pack of men in the in the commodities trading floor. And so my leadership style, I've had to evolve over the years to be a little bit more empathetic. And that's really what resonates uh, the heart and the empathy with these younger generations. And again, getting to know them personally and really understanding from a generational perspective, what have they come through? What influences their way of thinking? Technology, of course, is, is huge for these younger generations, how they communicate, how they establish relationships. They need some help with that. And helping them to uh, rank and prioritize steps to get into leadership because this newer generation, because of technology, has the mindset that everything should come to them very quickly. We know, those of us who have been in the industry for a long time, it takes many, many years to to sharpen your skill set and develop your competencies enough to be a solid leader. And I think what the millennials are looking for, what I've run into is they have this reputation as a generation for what can you do for me right now? And, oh, by the way, I want to be the CEO of the company next year. So, and and the the problem with that is, is yes, I I admire their uh, ambition, but what this, what this generation, and and I'm generalizing here is they're really looking for you to lay out the way that they can get there. What are the steps that they need to take and really sit down and map it out with them and, Career pathing for these newer generations is critical for attracting and retention to your company. So if you if you don't have that program set up, it's it's not really all that difficult. I realize it may sound overwhelming, but you know, and that's maybe a, a subject for a different time. But there are pretty simple steps that you can that you can take to help you to to guide your employees on career pathing. Well, so if we've started with the SWAT, right? We've, mm-hmm. I, we've gone ahead, we've effectively um, rated and ranked our team mm-hmm. with the SWAT. What's the next? So that was step one. Right. What's step two? So step two is really to, you know, you've rated, you've ranked. Um, the reason that I suggest that you do that is because now 
what you have in front of you in black and white. And it's every time that I have sat down and done this with a company, there are inevitable surprises. There are gaps that they don't see. So when we go through and we take a look at where, you know, where are we at? And, and the gaps are very apparent, especially when you're going through and you're looking at the competencies. So then what you're going to do is you're going to take this, this document that you're looking at and you're going to take a look at your company and say, okay, well, where are we going? Have our goals changed? Has our business model, does it need to change? Has our market changed? How do we need to adapt? So what are the competencies that we need to get us to where we want to go? And then marrying that with this document, with this SWOT and saying, ooh, okay, well, we don't have X or we don't have somebody that's strong in as a sales leader. We don't have on the financial side um, for legal representation. We have a big gap and we have a big liability in our company because we don't, we don't have that. So that enables you to marry what your goals are, present and future, against the competencies that you already have, and then list out what competencies you're seeking when you are building your team. I would imagine it also allows you to maybe more clearly identify those potential leaders within the organization. Absolutely. Um, I'm guessing most leaders, owners, can look out in their their field of employees and probably have a good sense of who would or wouldn't be a good leader or uh, uh, the successor to the leadership role. But this is a more analytical way of getting to that place, right? You know, y- yes, you are correct. It is it is a more analytical way to get there. And I and I also think. You know, we're 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 human beings, so we come with conscious and unconscious biases. And what that allows you to do is to take a look at that. I'll, I'll tell you a, a really quick story about a gentleman. A couple of years ago, I was at a conference and I was speaking on this very subject and talking about how how do you view, how do you see? And he was looking for in his particular company. A logistics manager was was critical to getting loads out on time, to getting loads built, the execution of deliveries. And he had struggled to find, he had looked externally, he had looked internally, and he could not find someone that he thought would be a good, solid leader in that position. After the conference, he came up to me and he said, you know, I, I really thank you for this because it's changed the way that I was thinking. I realized that I have the solution right in front of me and I did not see it. And I said, well, that's great. So what was the solution that you came up with? And he said, I have this young woman who is an inside salesperson, but is fantastic at organization and coordinating logistics for delivery. She has great internal and external customer relationship building abilities, and she would be perfect for this job. And I said, that's fantastic. Well, great. Keep me posted as to how it was doing, how, you know, how it went, you know, but he had to look at that. He had this unconscious bias that, oh, it was an inside salesperson. This, this would never work. But in the end, it worked out beautifully for both. I think that, um, you know, what happens with folks is that, as you said, at the beginning, they get caught up in running the business Mm -hmm. more than thinking about, um, kind of the, the longer term goals of the business. And until you slow down and, and go through this exercise that, um, you know, you blink your eye, it's been another five or 10 years and, yeah. and now it's that much harder. 
um, which I guess gets us to the 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 last point, right, which you have on your list, which is start small, right? I mean, right. this is an overwhelming task. Like if, so, if, if anyone were to think about it, they would think, oh man, this is, this is a big, big task that I have to undertake. Mm -hmm. So how do we start small? What are some of the little things we can do to start the process of this succession planning? Well, one of the things that I would that I would counsel is to start with your key leadership roles. So whether that's you, whatever your position is in the business, whether it's your right-hand person, um, what are the key roles that your company needs to run? What's the critical mass roles? Start there. You don't need to do the entire company all at once because that would be, that would be extremely overwhelming. But if you're looking at your succession plan, start at the top first, key roles, critical roles, and move from there. So it's a it's you can you can look at succession planning as a phased process. So phase one is starting at the top. Key leadership. I mean, I guess at, at a minimum you should be prepared to do that because mm -hmm. if something were to happen, I mean, I can tell you a very close friend of mine um, in a family business, his uh, father passed away completely unexpectedly in a bicycle oh. accident, and his father was a very um, strong-willed individual that kept everything close to the vest. Mm -hmm. And upon his passing, he, he was in a bike accident and he went into an immediate coma. So it wasn't like this process where you can transition during um, the passing of this individual. It, it happened um, overnight, right. uh, literally overnight. So as a yeah. result, um, they were scrambling because there were no efforts made to give access to bank accounts, oh. to um, have a, a transition to key contacts in, in the business, vendors, mm -hmm. clients. Um, so if for no other reason, you should just have a plan to have a plan in case you don't wake up tomorrow, right? That's, that's right. Because unfortunately, and the older we get, um, things do happen. And, you know, to the to the older Gen Xers and the boomers, whether it's health, whether it's there's a change in circumstances. And we only need to look at the accelerated rate of mergers and acquisitions in our industry uh, or the failure or closure of some of the businesses. And you can attribute the majority of that. They, they don't have they're playing a finite game. They don't have. And, you know, Simon Sinek really counsels us to uh, really focus on the infinite game to just to keep playing. And so what we end up in the mergers and acquisitions world is that we have companies that no longer have the resources to to compete. And so th their choice is either close or be acquired or merge with another company. And I don't know, in, in some cases, that's an ideal situation. But I can tell you that there have been many companies that I have seen that that was that was never in the cards, you know, a few years ago, that would have never been a thought to the continuation of their business. They thought that they were going to be a family company forever. Well, I think that leads to what is my last question, mm -hmm. which I think is the elephant in the room for most businesses, because most businesses are small businesses. Most businesses are family run businesses. Mm -hmm. What do you see that with respect to what works or doesn't work? in succession with family, whether it's 
children, um, you know, nieces, nephews. I mean, I'm the uh, recipient of a family business. Ne it was never a long-term plan. Right. Um, I didn't plan to go to law school. I went to an engineering school and then went to law school and, and enjoyed it. But, you know, a lot of things had to work together, right? Like I right. had to be able to work well with my father. Um, yes. I know a lot of people, um, you know, this gentleman that I told you whose father passed mm -hmm. away, you know, he was in the family business, but he would tell me frequently how tumultuous it was dealing with his family business. Yes. So what do you see that works, that doesn't work, how to handle that with respect to family businesses? I, that's a, that's an excellent question. And I that could be a podcast that, all by itself, right? Yes, it, it absolutely could. Um, my husband was in a, a similar situation. He owned a lumber yard in Oregon. It was a family owned business. And, um, he himself just retired a few years ago. Neither one of his children wanted anything to do with the business. Um, they went on to have their own professions and lives. Neither did any of the siblings in the family. So he was faced with that very same situation. He had worked in the business. There was no, there was no family to, to take that on. But then I also see in situations where there's large families that the, sometimes they're drug into the family business and they don't necessarily want to be. But I would suggest to those of you who are in that situation that you can carry on the family legacy and what you've built. It doesn't necessarily need to be led by a family member. I would not, um, that in itself creates a very different dynamic in the company to have it run by solely by family. So I would encourage your listeners who are facing that situation to maybe look outside of that dynamic because in the long term, you don't want to force a situation just because you can say, oh, well, there is a there is an, another family member that is that is running at the helm. They can play a number of different roles in the organization. Um, don't don't force a, a leadership within a within a family dynamic because it'll backfire on you every single time. Yeah, I have we have many stories of, of folks where, you know, it's it's uh, it hasn't worked and somewhere it has. I mean, it's not. It's not all or nothing, yeah. um, but the assumption that the best person may be related to you uh, is a flawed assumption. Very flawed assumption. Absolutely correct. Um, well, this is this has been very enlightening. It's not something we've talked about before on the podcast, but I know it's something that many of our listeners uh, probably have thought about, uh, are dealing with, or need to deal with. So, yeah. if folks need to get a in touch with you or have questions, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, my email is dcordovajack at missourigroup.com. You can always shoot me an email, or if you'd like to reach out to me uh, via phone, my cell number is 719-502-9554. Happy to kick around some ideas with you. Uh, whatever, and there, there's a lot of resources that I can supply to you, and I know that you in your company, Alex, have a lot of resources for succession planning as well. So, um, yeah, we'll go ahead and put all of your contact information in the show notes so so people okay. can get it there. Yeah, um, Dina, thank you very much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you, Alex. I was an honor honor to be here, and it was very interesting conversation. And thank you for sharing what you did as well. No, no problem. Thanks, everybody. Catch you on the next podcast. Right. Thanks. Thanks for listening. 
Again, make sure to check out our free tools. Contractdetective.com will scan your contract and send you an email with the results. We also have the Calc U Lean, and that's a free tool that will mail to you that will help you calculate the 45-day notice to owner and 90-day claim of lien. We also have the Make Me Conditional stamp. You can get that at makemeconditional.com. It's a stamp that you can stamp on any release and it will make an any unconditional release conditional on you getting paid. And finally, check out our monthly live and live streamed events at miamiconstructionforum.com. Thanks again.